and welcome to week two of the Prop Shop. I am Bobby Stanley, also known as Prop Holiday on social media, giving you the best angles and analysis for player prop betting in the NFL. Now, I'm not going to talk about Rodgers too much today in the open. It's been a 24-hour news cycle since Tuesday morning. I prefer to leave that dead horse alone, but I will say this. I watched a Monday Night Football game with a, a father's son that have been lifelong Jets fans, and they, they didn't blink. It wasn't rage. It was not sadness. It was literal nothingness. It was eerie, the calm of acceptance acceptance of what this is what my fandom has become that level of acceptance is usually reserved for terminally ill patients it was really creepy to watch um now it's a shame because this defense the defense that i watch on monday night football i think is the best in the league and they could be all-time special i do think they're better than the niners and the eagles quinnon williams he's an all-pro cj mosley quincy williams made plays all night sauce gardner he had a rough game i'm going to give a pass on that um but jordan whitehead and dj reed they were exceptional they have two young pass rushers in Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald, I think could be double-digit sack guys on rookie deals. And that's a theme we're going to talk about. The time is now for the New York Jets. I'm curious to see what the next move may be at quarterback because it's a lot of faith in Zach Wilson, uh, knowing what we know. He didn't have a full season under Aaron Rodgers. He had about four or five weeks of camp. So we'll see what that leads to. I think wasting Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson on rookie deals is football malpractice. They are that good. They are playing at all pro levels, and it is one of the best one of the best competitive advantages in football to have these guys on rookie deals. If you look at the the positions of importance, a QB on the rookie deal is the best competitive advantage in football. But I would argue that corner and wide receiver are probably second and third on that list. Two guys that I want to monitor throughout the coming weeks for the Jets, Jacoby Brissett in Washington. I think he can come in and win 10 games very easily with this defense and these weapons. Um, and Kirk Cousins. We saw last night the uh, the Vikings fall to 0-2. If that keeps going and they're at that 1-6 mark, Kirk Cousins is on the last year of his contract. Doesn't seem like they want to bring him back. If you're the Jets, maybe a trade or third or fourth round pick. You let him walk next year. You get a comp pick back when he signs. And it's almost a wash. And then you bring Aaron Rodgers in. So something to monitor. Let's talk about a week, a week one recap. In short, we dominated. Calvin Ridley hit over 57 and a half, over 75 plus, over 100 plus on the alt lines. Tutu Atwell, over 30 and a half. 50 plus and 75 plus, and the books wouldn't give us 100 plus on Atwell, or else I would have bet that too. Elijah Moore was the black sheep of the group. He went over his 30 and a half. He finished with 43. We were seven yards short of hitting the alt line parlay in week one, but he did lead the team in targets, so he will be one to monitor. Mike Thomas, over three and a half receptions, easy cash. J.K. Dobbins and Aaron Jones touchdown from the top shelf touchdown scores. Both cashed. The rest of the guys on the touchdown list came up short, but it is worth mentioning that Puka Nakua, a.k.a. Puka Doncic, didn't score, but he went off. Tajay Spears did not score, but he outsnapped Derrick Henry. Bryce Hopkins had a red zone play drawn up for him. He fell down in the route or else he would have scored. We were there, guys. Our, our reads were spot on. This was a high-volume, high-hit rate week one. They may not all be that successful. They may not have that much volume. But it is proof that earlier in the season, lines are weak, and we're going to pick our spots. Now, with that, I bring in our first guest of the prop shop. He's a nine-year NFL veteran. He was a tight end for the Eagles and the Jaguars. He's a Believe Network analyst, host of Believe Me, the Jaguars podcast. Let me bring in Clay Harbor. Clay, what up, brother? Not a lot, man. Appreciate you having me on. Love talking some sports betting. Love talking balls. So appreciate it, man. Looking forward to it. 
And that was the reason kind of bringing you in, man. You are a you are a sports better. You are a former player. We talked about it before the show. I think bringing a handicapper's mindset and a former player's brain and we can have an edge bet in player props. So are you you bet a lot of player props and maybe some season long stuff? Do you bet week to week on player props? Yeah, absolutely. Last week I just posted my uh I bet one player prop on um on my uh, my Twitter with the Jaguars and I had Calvin Ridley over 60 yards. That was a gimme. I had Travis Etienne over 15 yard receiving. That was a give me. And then I had the Jags winning and I had the over and I hit a nice little parlay and uh, only put 75 bucks down, won like 450. So nice little Long hit. Didn't wager much, but you know, that was the only one I bet last week. And this week I got a couple of them. I think that will, uh, will be nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm high on the Jags this year, too. Obviously, you are the, the host of the podcast and a former Jags player. But with that schedule in that division with the AFC, you know, the AFCs kind of beating each other up. Maybe the Jets come down. I think the Jags could be a one or two seed. Trevor Lawrence is actually my dark horse for MVP. 16 to one was a lot of value. Um, yeah, but I do want to I do want to throw this your way. Do you think that there is an, an edge to be had as a former player betting player props? What do you see? that maybe a, a numbers guide may not look at? You, you look at defensive schemes. What, what goes into kind of your, uh, your, your outlook? Yeah, definitely. You look at def- defensive schemes. You look at what kind of cover. If you're looking at a receiver, what kind of coverages do this team predominantly run? You know, if it's cover two, you know, maybe I'm going to take a slot receiver, a guy that's going to attack the middle of the field. You know, if it's more of a one-high look, okay, it's going to be a big day for the outside receivers. Maybe the tight ends, if the middles close a lot, won't have as many opportunities to catch the ball but I don't think you have to be a player I think you might have a little bit of an advantage just because you've been there you probably know coverages and matchups a little bit better than most but honestly look at past performance right that's a big thing then you got to realize that some games if a guy didn't get targeted the the, the offensive coaches are going to come out the next week and make it a point to target them you know if a guy had a big game the first thing the opposing defense is going to do when they turn on the film. We got to stop this guy. So a lot of times, instead of just looking and saying, oh, this guy had this many yards last week, you know, he's probably going to have this many yards this week. They, they have they have film too, okay? Unless you're talking Justin Jefferson, unless you're talking guys that are just, doesn't matter what you throw at them, they're going to put up numbers. A lot of times you're not going to find that diamond in the rough for multiple weeks in a row because yeah. – you might have got lucky one time. You know, the defense might not have been ready for him. But trust me, these guys are watching film too. We're not the only people you turn on Twitter and now all you see is, is all 22 all over the place, man. It's really incredible how all 22 film is just taken over Twitter. Trust me, the team's got that film too. And there's a clearer <laughs> and better at every breakdown. They got every player's, every snap. So I say all that to say you got to look full circle here. Sometimes you got to go outside the box to really, really look at what you think can happen in a game. No. And a guy that think, I think fits that mold perfectly to what you just said, Debo Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk. he was the guy in week one, destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers. I look at Debo Samuel. I look at his record against the Rams. I think he went over his line of 45 and a half, five to seven career games. They have a little bit of a rivalry there, Debo specifically in the Rams. And I can't expect Kyle Shanahan to go into a game plan that he's going to mimic from week one to week two against Sean McVay. So that example, Debo Samuel, immediately comes to mind. Um, I do want to say this. It's early in the season. Who do you feel, offense or defense, 
has a bit of an advantage earlier on. If I look at the offense, they don't get as many reps in the preseason anymore. They're often learning a new playbook. We got 16 new offensive coordinators this season alone. It's an NFL record. When I look at the defense, they can't tackle anymore in camp. So if you're looking at player props earlier in the season, does either side have any advantage? You know, I think they're both pretty equal, but if I had to give them one side an advantage, I'm going to go defense just because – you know, you mess up one player, messes up on offense, the, the whole play shut down. On defense, you know, 11 to 10 guys can be wrong. One guy's right, and, you know, they make a play. So, I mean, I do have that offensive mindset, and, and you know, I think it takes more to play offense, and I think that uh, we're obviously a lot smarter than the defensive players. But still, you know, I think it takes a little bit longer to get on the same page with your teammates just because everything has to work in unison, there's not as much. There's obviously still a lot of read and react, but defense is, is predominantly, you know, read and react. Obviously, you got specific coverages, you got specific blitzes, schemes, but the ball snap, you read and react. Like for the offense, it's like, okay, you got to know what you're doing. You got to run. You got to you got to have your side adjustments, but you, you got to be a little bit more intelligent because you got to know exactly what route, what check, what coverage equals this breakdown, this route concept. So I think it's a little bit harder for the offense at first. No, I'm with you, man. I do want to get into my first play, and I want to get some commentary on your end. I like Christian McCaffrey. We already talked a little bit about that San Fran. And I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey over 27 and a half receiving yards. McCaffrey last week against the Steelers had the second lowest receiving total as a 49er. Um, and he, the San Fran was just getting what they wanted offensively the whole game. They didn't really need to get him involved in the receiving game. Dominated in the ground game. I think he had a 64-yard rush. I said it before. I can't see Shanahan replicating the same game plan against a Sean McVay a week later. If we talk about numbers, averages, Christian McCaffrey averages 42 receiving yards per game as a 49er, four receptions per game. If I look how he's performed against the Rams, he's had 89 and 55 receiving yards last year. One of those games was a Panther. Now, the Rams' defense, it looked pretty good last week. They pitched a shutout uh, essentially in the, in the second half. It is worth mentioning that the Seattle Seahawks, uh, they were missing both tackles in the in the second half of that game. But the Seahawks don't really have that pass catching back. Kenneth Walker kind of a um, kind of a between-the-tackles guy, and then uh, DJ Dallas got a little bit more action than Zach Charbonnet. If I look specifically at players on that Rams' defense, Christian Rosenboom is the other linebacker on the field with Ernest Jones. Um if he gets in space with Christian McCaffrey, that's a nightmare waiting to happen. And um, I, I, I'm not looking forward to yeah. seeing it as a Rams fan, but I do think McCaffrey sets up well. His alt line, and something we'll talk about later, over 50 yards receiving is plus 285. And if you're feeling frisky, his 75 and over alt line is plus 900. Uh, you feel any type of way about McCaffrey against this Rams defense? I like McCaffrey. I think obviously the Rams are coming off of a, a a big week to where they, you know, they played well, man. The defense played well. The offense played well. They only gave up 13 points to uh, the Seahawks who come into the season. They're supposed to be, a, they're a playoff team. They made the playoffs last year. They're a team that a lot of people had a, a lot of high hopes for. But I think McCaffrey, he didn't get as much play last week as some people might have thought. So I think it's, I think it's a good play. I think he matches up well against these linebackers, and I think the you know the, the Rams are going to come back crashing to earth a little bit, and they're going to have to throw the ball, the, the 49ers are, because Stafford looks like he's found some guys that can catch the football. You know, we, we it, talked it about was, Nakua and Atwell and Higby, and he, he can sling it. So if Stafford's back slinging it, that means Brock Purdy's going to have to sling it too, and one of his favorite weapons is Christian McCaffrey. So I like the play. No, 
I, I, I know I didn't tell you this. I am an LA Rams fan, been a Rams fan my whole life. Uh, that Stafford game last week, I've watched about a season of him for the Rams. That was one of the best games I've seen him in Horns. He was overperforming. I mean, Puka, I'm, I'm calling him Puka Doncic for the rest of the season. Um, he was hitting him. <laughs> that is not my name. Darian Kendrick, the corner for the Rams, uh, cued that one. But let me go over to uh, let me go over to my next play. James Cook of the Buffalo Bills. His rushing line opened at 47 and a half. I think it's at 50 and a half now. I still like it. Cook played 60% of the snaps as his first game really as the starter. Singletary's gone. Uh, he only had 12 yeah. carries against that Jets defense. There was some explosion there. He was able to get to the edge. He was able to dig his foot in, get, get up field. Remind me a little bit of DeAndre Swift last night where they're saying, oh, these guys are scat backs. They're third down backs. No, I, I saw something from Cook, even though the numbers didn't really show it. I'm expecting this to be Buffalo's redemption game. It is an eight-point spread. It's their home opener. A blowout should get Cook a little bit more carries, maybe that 14, 15 carry range. Raiders gave up 4.3 yards per carry last week. Um, Cook's career average is five and a half yards per carry. That's a little optimistic considering his role last year. Let's bring that down to about 4.7. I'm projecting him in that 56 to 57 range. And I don't know if you caught this, Clay, on Monday night. Josh Allen, I thought he hurt his non-throwing wrist in the third quarter going for a first down. It may limit some of his planned runs uh, against this Raiders team. So Cook's alt line at 75 plus is plus 290. And we'll probably be uh, talking about that in the alt line parlay later. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're going to run the ball a little bit more. And, you know, I didn't know how they were going to use Latavius Murray and, and, and Cook together, but it looks like Cook is the guy. And I think uh, the way J Josh Allen looked, throwing those three interceptions, turning the ball over, they are going to lean on running the ball. And I think that's a good play. The, you know, the Raiders gave up, uh, you know, 52 last week. So I think they're, they're right there. And, around 12, 13 carries to Javante Williams. So I think that uh, it's a good play. They're not going to try to lean on Josh Allen as much until he kind of breaks out of this, this little funk he's in. Run the football. Yeah. And he showed, who are they running the football with? They're running it with Cook. So I like the play. Yeah. Thank you, man. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to pass it over to you. You got one you got your eye on this week? Yeah, definitely. And – um. You know, I do I do some bear stuff, cover the bears a little bit, and I know they look terrible. DJ Moore only had uh, two catches for 25 yards last week. But you look in the media, you look at Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator, you look at the head coach. We got to get DJ Moore the ball. We got to get – they're going to force feed DJ Moore <laughs> this week. I mean, they're going to make sure, and I know he's going against a Todd Bowles defense. Tampa Bay can play. They, I mean, they, they – they played well last week. I mean, they always do. I mean, this defense is is solid, and obviously they they had the big upset win last week against the the Vikings, but they gave up a ton of yards. They did. They yeah. gave up a lot of yards. So, first thing that the Bears are going to do, they're going to try to get the ball to DJ Moore. His over is forty five and a half receiving yards. He's averaged way more than that over his career. Justin Fields had a down day. It's a very low number for a true number one receiver. So I love DJ Moore going over 45 and a half. I like it. I like it. I, I do think uh, they made a play for this guy. They wanted, they made a conscious effort to make him the wide receiver one for Justin Fields. They needed to get him somebody. And we saw in the preseason, he took uh, 
he took a screen, I think, like 65 yards. And that's kind of that's started building that height. What, what was that? Yeah. That's no, all it I mean, takes. One screen. That's it, it it does. And it started building some of that hype train for the Chicago Bears team. This number is low for him, and you're gonna see adjustments made in the second week for this Bears offense. I got a Bears guy later in our in our touchdown uh rundown that you may uh you may find interesting. But I do like DJ Moore. I think that number's too low for this guy. I think his career average, um yard, his yards per reception's up there. So if you can get him yeah. three or four catches, this one should get blown out of the water. Um I am going to talk about a guy that you are very familiar with, my friend, Calvin Ridley. We're not going to dig too much into this. I beat him to death last week. You're very familiar with him. We talked about him at the top. Calvin Ridley over 67 and a half receiving yards. That's what it opened at. I think it's at 70 and a half now. This guy's career average as a starter is 73 yards per game. He is a number one wide receiver in this NFL. He is a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. And I do think this game script alone um, with Kansas City, I think the over is at 51 and a half. They're going to be going back and forth all day. That's what I'm expecting. And the secondary, not outside of Legereus Sneed, I don't see too many guys. I mean, Trent McDuffie, um, you know, he, he might get torn to shreds by Ridley. As long as this line is under 72 and a half, it's an autoplay for me every week. I don't care who he's playing. Yeah. No, I like it. I think that's a – it's a good play. Um, Christian Kirk, I don't know if he had any catches. Maybe he had one. So I think they are going to make a point to get Christian Kirk involved. And they do have a lot of weapons. And Calvin Ridley only had one catch for nine yards in the second half last week. But when he opened up the game in the first half, you saw what this guy's capable of. The The line is low. You said 70 and a half. I like that. I think he goes 80 plus. They're going to have to throw the ball. Obviously, you got Patrick Mahomes in. You look at last year, the Jaguars want some revenge for that playoff loss to the Chiefs in which if they don't turn the ball over at the end of the game there, I think they have a chance to drive down the field and win. The Jaguars have been thinking about this one for a while. I think they're going to get Calvin Ridley involved early and often to compete with Patrick Mahomes' offense. I'm, I'm down with Calvin Ridley over 70 and a half yards. No, and you, no lead is safe against Patrick Mahomes. They've had extra time to prepare for this game. Um, so even if they do say, you know, I think the spread's at three and a half. If the Jaguars do get up, you're not hanging back. You're not resting on your laurels and running the ball and killing the clock. You got to put up points because you're turning the ball back to Patrick Mahomes at any minute. So uh, Calvin Ridley, yep. 100 plus yards is plus 265. And that brings us into our alt line parlay of the week. Now, last week's, we came seven yards short. It was a $25 bet that paid nearly $1,800. Uh, Calvin Ridley, 100 plus cashed. Tutu Atwell, 50 plus cashed. And um, Elijah Moore, 50-plus, fell seven yards short. We're going back at it again. Ooh. My all-line parlay this week. It's 100-plus on Ridley. It's 50-plus receiving on uh, Christian McCaffrey. And it's 75-plus rushing on James Cook. A $25 bet pays $13.45. Obviously, if that's no too way. rich for your parlay, bring that down to 10 bucks. We're having a little bit of fun here, but it is only three legs. That was last. That's, that is this week's Week 2 alt-line parlay. Do you dabble in the parlay game, Clay? Oh, yeah, I love it. I'll throw out some some long shots there, but that doesn't seem like it's that far off. Man, for, for those odds, I think that's a great play. That's what I'm here for, man. That's what I spend my Wednesday, Thursday nights doing while my, my kid and my wife are sleeping. I'm looking I'm looking for odds that pays people some crazy shit. Uh, yeah. Now, I'll kick it back to you. Before we go into our touchdown scores, you got another play that stands out? Yeah, definitely, and I'm going to stick with the Jaguars game, and I think that uh, Trevor Lawrence over over one and a half 
passing touchdowns is, is a number I like. I think they're going to throw the ball. You got Chris Jones coming back. I think Doug Peterson loves throwing the ball in the end zone. You saw Trevor had two last week, and he should have had more. I think two touchdowns for Trevor Lawrence is is easy money. I mean, that's I mean, give me that money. Two touchdowns over two, absolutely. I'm taking Trevor plus one and a over one and a half touchdown scored. I think that's easy. That's a gimme. I had my eye on this early in the week. I'm not gonna lie to you. I caught it at uh, minus one thirty. Again, the the total is I think fifty one and a half. It's the highest scoring projected game of the week. Um, yeah. We, we talked about Lawrence. He's my MVP guy, man. I, I think this is the year. That second year with Peterson is when you're going to see that real ascension. People forget Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate before he went down in week 14 and Nick Foles took over, and we know what happened then. Um, yep. But Lawrence over one and a half touchdowns in a game of 51 and a half against this suspect Chiefs secondary. Uh, I think it's a great play. I'm not just blowing smoke, yeah. man. I was, um, I was really on that. I want to talk touchdown scores. If you're betting baseball, you talk home runs. If you bet, uh, if you bet NBA, you talk you know, alt line three points and thirty plus, forty plus. In the NFL, we talk touchdown scores. Yep. I have my three tiers. I have my top shelf alcohol. I have my mid shelf alcohol, and I got well vodka. Last week, my top shelf was Aaron Jones and J.K. Dobbins. I feel bad for Dobbins with the Achilles. I empathize as a former Achilles tear myself, but this week. Jamar Chase, plus 105. Jameer Gibbs, plus 130. These are two guys I feel very strongly about getting in the end zone. Chase scored two uh, two touchdowns in four games against the Ravens. Uh, we look at that, uh, you know, we kind of look at that week one game against the Browns. It was raining. They have the best pass rushing tandem in the league. Burrow wasn't practicing as much towards the end of the, uh, towards the end of training camp. They never really got in rhythm. I think Chase gets one in and we get it at plus 105. You might be able to get it even money on other books, but I think Chase scores. Um, and then Gibbs. Gibbs had a very small workload, but he made the most of it on Thursday night football. He was trending on uh, gambling Twitter as a guy that everybody's pounding the table. This guy's making plays. He's explosive. Let's get him the ball. Now, it could be in the receiving game, and I think Montgomery's going to own the uh, the goal line touches, the red zone touches. Yeah. But at plus 130, we're going to see more of him as the weeks go on. So the, these are my yeah. two uh, – my two top shelf touchdown scores. You got any? You got any ones you feel super confident about, Clay? Well, I like the odds here with um, Hunter Henry. You know, he scored a touchdown last week against the Eagles. Obviously, their defense, you know, isn't great, but I, I really like Hunter Henry getting in the end zone again. He's Mac Jones is looking for him. He hasn't got a ton of weapons to throw the ball to. If you're throwing the ball in the end zone, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry. Bill Belichick, Bill O'Brien, love to use a tight end. I think Hunter Henry is getting some good odds at plus 320 to get in the end zone. I like that. So I'm going with Hunter Henry and the Patriots. It's it's amazing what what an offensive coordinator could do to Mac Jones. I mean, his over-under, I think, was set at 229 and they have passing yards. He had well over 300. And they looked like a formidable team against a really good defense, especially in the second half. I think they were down two scores. Uh, late in that game, and they made it competitive. So Hunter Henry at three to one um, in a game yeah. against Miami, which could be higher scoring. I like that. Mike Gesicki, former Miami Dolphin. There's always a revenge factor. And did you ever? Yeah. Did you ever have any revenge factor playing a, a previous team? Did a t- did a coach come to you and say, "Listen, man, I know you. I know you played for the Eagles. We got them at the at the link. I want to get you one." Does that does that ever happen? 
unfortunately, I never. I only I played against them, but years later, when I was with the uh, with the Detroit Lions in a limited role, so I didn't get that opportunity. But that is that is real. That's something that happens. Coaches will, if a guy's playing his old team, coaches will make a point to get this guy involved more, to maybe try to get him in the end zone a little bit quicker, a little bit sooner than you might otherwise. It's a real thing. They know the guy wants it, and the team wants it, and it's good for. You know, team camaraderie just to see the coaches really have a guy's back like that. So that is actually something that happens. We love hearing that as fans, as betters, we try to play that angle. And it, maybe the value doesn't add up, maybe the odds don't add up, but we think there's something there. And hearing it from a former player that, yeah, sometimes those conversations happen. Um, little reassuring. Let's uh, let's take a look at my mid tier. This is your mid shelf alcohols of touchdown scores, Ezekiel Elliott at plus 180. He had a smaller role in week one, and he made a comment this week that stood out to me that he says, I'm finally setting in. I'm finally settling into this offense. Um, he should see a little snap boost. He played 35% of the snaps in week one, but they were down. They were playing from behind. If we can get a more of an even game script, I think we could see Zeke with a bigger workload. He still saw seven rushes and seven receiving targets, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Miami in week one allowed 17 rushing first downs that was worst in the nfl so zeke could have a oh, big wow. role we're getting we're getting near uh two to one on zeke's touchdown uh seems seems pretty valuable to me and then the other guy uh, i spent all night memorizing his name he was good enough to make it to the nfl i should take the time to learn his name chigazim Anconqua. he is the tennessee titans tight end um deandre hopkins did not practice on thursday it will be interesting to see if he practices today friday if he doesn't go um, I, I do think Akankwa uh, sees some sees some targets this week. He did play 83% of the snaps last week. He did not record uh, a reception. So plays into what you were talking about, Clay, earlier in the show. You didn't, you know, maybe you weren't involved last week. Let's flip the script and try to get you some targets your way. Uh, Akankwa is plus 285, nearly 3-1 to one for a Titans team that needs to get into the end zone. Oh, yeah. No, I like that. I think that's, that's a good point right there. He's going to be seeing some targets this week. They got to get in the end zone somehow. I think they're going to utilize him, so I, I like it. All right, and let's go to Well Vodka. This is Majorska. This is the cheap stuff. This you do not spend money on, but they are your long-shot touchdown scorers. Justin Watson of the Kansas City Chiefs is plus 700. Watson is... I would say he's the wide receiver three or four, depending on the matchup. Kelsey's coming back. I actually think that may open up some things on the field for him. His over-under on Thursday Night Football last week was set at like 19 and a half. He finished with two catches for 45 yards. Um, I think he needs a bigger role. He's a sure-handed wide receiver for this Kansas City Chiefs team. They have some. They have a rookie out there. Uh, they got Ross. They got Rice. Uh, they're getting Kelsey back. Marquez Valdez-Scanley, you don't know what you're getting week to week from him. I think it's 7-1 to one with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, and he's probably going to play 50% of the snaps. Pretty good odds, especially considering um, over-under set at 51.5. These are where you're taking your stabs. 51.5, we're implying yeah. seven touchdowns. Give, yeah. me, uh, give me Watson at 7-1. to one. And then uh, the Bears guy I, wanted, I, I hinted at earlier in, in the show, Clay, Equinamius yeah. St. Brown is 20-1 to one to score a touchdown for this Chicago Bears team. He was inactive in week one. He's a big yeah. body. He's a blocking wide receiver. He's a blocking wide receiver. And they needed yeah. that last yeah. week. There's yeah. a real possibility that Matt Eberflus could bench uh Chase Claypool. 
He's looking. Yep. He made a comment saying, "I'm looking into all possibilities." If he yep. does, because he, he's a you know Claypool's a big guy, but he doesn't play like one. Equinamia no, Saint Equinamia Saint Brown at twenty to one is about as well vodka as it gets, and I would throw five dollars yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a good play if Equinamia plays. You know, he actually had you know quite a few catches last year, and and he had a good training camp. You know, I'm in Chicago. I went to camp. And he, he, you know, he made this roster for a reason, and and they like to utilize him on those plays at the goal line in the red zone, to where he, you know, they think he's a blocker. It's a tendency that where they use, and then they break the tendency and get him open in the end zone. I like it. And the the best part is, if he isn't active again, you get your money back. The bet's voided. You really got nothing to lose there. But if he's active and he's on the field, twenty to one seems like a steal. Before yeah. we wrap up and go to the I got five on it parlay, is there any touchdown scores you want to throw in that may have some longer odds? I, you know, I like Dalton Kincaid. I think Josh Allen will probably get in the end zone a couple times, get back some of his groove. Obviously, we talked about him running the ball more, but Dalton Kincaid had four catches. You know, He's a guy that they obviously want to target more and more as a young guy. Comes in as a rookie with six targets, four catches, I think. He's a guy I can see getting in the end zone at plus 350 this week. So I, I like Dalton Kincaid at plus 350. Not really long odds, but I think there's still some value there because he is looking like he is going to be Josh Allen's favorite tight end that he throws the ball to even over Dawson Knox this year. There's there's a lot of sharp guys uh, on gambling Twitter I was talking to. His over-under is set at 29 and a half. Um, I think his role is only going to grow. Does that come at the expense of Dawson Knox? Do they just scheme differently? Do they go more, you know, is he the guy in there in 11 personnel? Is he obvi- obviously on 12 personnel, two tight ends, he'll be out there. But if they go 11 and he starts out snapping Dawson Knox, that's a guy I want to keep my eye on. Um, Definitely. I do like it at plus 350. Let's wrap up. With the I got five on it parlay, uh, we do not have the rights to the song, but I wish I did. This is a five dollar parlay that we are we're throwing our chump change on. We talked about Jamar Chase, two touchdowns for him. Let's throw him in there. Uh, Nicole, uh, Nico Collins, Houston Texans guy had eighty in uh, week one. He had a twenty five percent target share. Let's throw him in at seventy five plus. Debo owns the L A Rams. I'm very aware of this as a Rams fan uh, and a guy that I. Um, I got some looks at when I did a show earlier. Zach Wilson, 25-plus rush yards. You cannot let this man sit in the pocket. He's also going against a bit against one of the best uh, pass rushes in the NFL, as we saw last week with Daniel Jones. And the kid's got wheels. Say, say what you want about him. He's got a little burst and shimmy to him. We saw that in the preseason. He's got a 91-yard yep. rushing game in his career. So 25 for him. This $5 four-leg parlay, it's probably, you know, save yourself the Starbucks cup of coffee, throw this on there. Five bucks plays twenty one hundred dollars. If you if you can't if you miss the five dollars, uh, I'm sorry, man. You probably shouldn't be betting. But five dollars pays twenty one hundred on these four legs. It's some alt lines. It's some TD scores, and that is what we have for you today. Clay Harbor, any closing remarks? I can't thank you enough for jumping on the show, man. No, I appreciate it, man. Appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun, and let's win these listeners some money. I just want all I want is a thank you on Twitter once uh, once some of these. <laughs> Props hit. Uh, that's uh, sadly that is not what Twitter is known for. There is not a lot of kind people out there. But maybe we win them a few bucks. We'll get a nod. Clay, if you ever want to come back, man, I'd love to have you guys. Thank you for listening to week two of the Prop Shop, uh, and let's cash some bets. Take care, guys.